0: welcome to valley community church our sunday sermons are available online to help you grow in your christian faith our messages are practical and applicable truths from the bible for today's life challenges and now senior pastor david Schmaltz. okay so we're talking about moving mountains this month and we're talking and this week is part two and you can again find the notes for part one if you missed that but we want to talk about dealing with doubt our key verse and what we're working here is, with, is in Mac, Mac, I'm sorry, Mark chapter 11, 22 through 24, and it says, And Jesus answered, saying to them, Have faith in God. Truly I say to you, whoever says to this mountain, Be taken up and cast into the sea, and does not doubt in his heart, but believes that what he says is going to happen, it will be granted him. Therefore, I say to you, all things for which you pray and ask, Believe that you have received them, and they will be granted you. A very, very powerful portion of scripture. Matter of fact, when it comes to prayer, really, we could camp on that. But, obviously, it brings a lot of things to mind, like, wow, a mountain. What are we talking about here? Did he mean a literal mountain? That, and, and what happens if we turn a bunch of Christians loose, and we're moving mountains all around? We could really mess up the geography of the earth, couldn't we? Man, we could really change that map. Um, but I think we know that there's some figurative language that's taking place here, but Jesus chose that mountain for that particular reason, to kind of blow our mind, to think in, 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 in reality of God being able to do anything and to do it very powerfully. And uh, so we're talking about mountains. Last week I talked about how important it was in that verse to start with realizing that there's another mountain. And, and you kind of see that, that duality here of the mountain being an obstacle, the thing that we're asking God to remove, but there's almost this pre-mountain, and that pre-mountain is doubt. Because he, he tells us, look, I can unlock the power of prayer in your life, but what will block it? And he, and, he, you know, and there's another scripture that talks about that mustard seed, right? That that's all we need when it comes to the faith. So you've got a mountain, you've got a seed. The seed is all we need, but we've got the mountain is that doubt. And he says, look, you've got to get rid of that. And so it would make a lot of sense that we would spend time just wearing away at that mountain of doubt. Fasting can do that. Prayer is going to do that. It's going to help us get ourselves, really our heart and our mind aligned with the kingdom of God. And the more we understand that, the more than we can pray in faith and streamline what's coming out of our heart. Well, this morning I want to tell you about this story. You know, it's said in military lore that tactics generally take the day as far as winning battles. But occasionally the unusual happens. Some might even call these aberrations miracles. And one such miracle took place on December 18th, 1863, on what is famously called the Battle in the Clouds or the Battle for Lookout Mountain. It's during the Civil War. And God brought this back to my mind because I used to, and still do occasionally, read quite a bit of history. And so this newly promoted general, his name was Ulysses S. Grant, was called in because the Union was not doing very well in what was called the Western Theater of the War. They had pretty much just gotten their tails whopped by the Confederates, and they bring in this fighting general named Ulysses S. Grant. And so he was sitting on uh, Lookout Mountain, positioned over basically being able to see the whole battlefield. And he's overlooking what is his battle-weary men in preparation for an assault that was originally planned for just a preparatory strike. In other words, that they were going to get themselves into position. In other words, he, was gonna, he wanted to see his men go forward and take new ground so that they could prepare for a new assault. The men were downcast. They had just lost. They had just taken a, quite a beating. And so... They were dug in. They were tired. They were worn out, and all the hearts of the men were—they were gathered together in their companies and their regiments and divisions. Here they were, knowing that their general was overlooking them, and he had told them—and basically came and said, "Look, you know, you're a bunch of sorry troops. You know, it's time to fight." And so you have this kind of situation where it kind of reminds me of us and where the church is we've been fighting. We've lost some battles. We won some battles too, obviously. But in this situation, we're kinda, we kind of get dug in. And you, you kind of see the heights. And let me just explain to you what, what they were looking at. And when I talk about tactics, what I mean is, is that generally the, the, the army that has the high ground has the superior advantage. It doesn't take as many people to hold a higher position. Matter of fact, two times three times the amount of military force in a lower position has a very difficult time taking that higher position because of the tactics because of the obvious advantage of being able to shoot downhill and the enemy having to work its way up so it's a very difficult place to climb a mountain let's just put it that way and there was a mountain there it was it was actually a ridge It was called missionary ridge and there they were looking up that and they could see those confederates sitting on top of that mountain looking down at them just as cocky as they could be just knowing, hey, we've got the high ground. There's no way you're going to take it. And sometimes we feel that way in life, don't we? We're looking up at our difficulties. We're looking at, at our life. We're looking up at that and just saying, you know, Lord, how am I going to ascend that? How am I going to see the changes in my life that need to take place? We pray. We can fast. We can make some changes. But sometimes it just comes down to something very, very basic that I'll share with you in in just a bit. Last week, we talked about keys to breaking ground, keys to moving forward. And, you know, as I was praying over, preparing for this week, it was just like, you know, you can't really move on until you get something. And to be a gifted teacher or to be someone that's, you know, the heart of a teacher is to say, look, I don't want to move on until we get this. And so I want to continue to kind of hammer some of these points so that we get them, so we understand them, so that we're functioning in them. And last week I talked about three, three critical points as it comes to being able to move mountains and see spiritual success in our lives. And I just want to review them very quickly. But it's talking about the priority of presence. I preached that last week. Talking about how the presence of God is so key in our life. There's, there's no religious function. There's no... There's no modus operandi that we can add to our life that is going to be some kind of a magical formula. Okay, so you really need to flush that. Okay, because religion only brings death, and our enemy just loves religion because he knows what happens is that the people of God just get into this um, mundane practice that's not life-giving and it's not changing them in reality. What happens is that he, you know, the, our enemy loves to see Christians just doing religious things and not, and not really changing the world. I mean, if you think it in terms of, of, of the enemy sitting up on that high ground and just thinking, look, as long as you stay there, you're no bother to me. We've got this ground. It was the gateway to the south, to the deep south. And As long as they were there, there was no way anything was gonna change. And of course, we know all historically knew or know what was at stake in in this particular war, which makes it so very interesting to study. But the presence of God is the key to breaking that religious spirit office because when he comes, he brings reality. When he shows up, Jesus did that with his presence. When he just walked in, did he ever break up the Pharisaical spirit? Did he just break up the religious activity that was going on at the time? Everybody was, you know, temple here, temple there, can't move around on Saturdays, can't do this, do that. He just came in and said, look, this is all about a relationship with your Heavenly Father. All going, huh? He said, this is all about you loving one another. I mean, what Jesus broke down, you know, uh, uh, Jamie's been talking about the simplicity of the gospel, and that's it. Jesus had a very simple message: love one another, love God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, right? And love your brother as who? As yourself. I mean, we do. He said, "Look, you do those two things, then you're better than the best religious person out there. You don't have to wear no robes. You don't have to have any education. You do those two things right there, then you are absolutely drawing your Father's heart, presence." so key, when we invite the Holy Spirit into our life and we, we sense him there, walk with him in the cool of the day, when we're, when we're there with him, presence, so key, washing of the word, once we have the presence of God there, we open up our Bible and we let the word just, just pour over us. During, the, during this fast, that is one of the things that I really look forward to, is just God opening up a whole new depth of understanding in his word. Not only for, for, for future messages and things like that, but for my own life, of just saying, wow, getting those ahas and those wows and those amazings over and over again. Priority of his presence, washing yourself in the word of God, reading it daily, becoming uh, 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 aware of the truth of God. And then the purposeful prayer. Yes, learning to be pushers, being one who does not give up, but talking to your God, pray, pray, pray. So when it comes to to doubt, which is the thing that just entangles us, it is the the wrench in the works, if you will, that shuts down such a simple process, such a simple process. James talked about in chapter 1, verses 5 through 8, he says, if any of you lack wisdom, and, of course, we can apply this to so many things. It's not just wisdom. If any of you lack healing, if any of you lack Um, breakthrough. If any of you lack provision, financial, I mean money in your pocket. If any of you lack anything, whatever might be your need in your life. I mean, let's just throw it in here because the principle works across the board. You should ask who? God. You should ask God. We shouldn't go to anyone else first. We should go to God first. And this is what James is telling us. He's saying, look, Start with God, who gives generously. We know this about the heart of God. God is a real giver. I mean, he's not stingy. We don't have to fill out any triplicate forms. We don't have to stand in line. We don't have to qualify. Well, we kind of do. I mean, you need to come to Christ, right? That's the only pre-qualification. But that's easy enough done, isn't it? Ask Christ in your heart who gives generously to all, okay, so he's not prejudiced, he's not withholding, he doesn't go just for the, the, the rich or the poor or the, you know, the medium or, or you know, a certain racial group, uh-uh. to all people without finding fault. Oh man, those three words are powerful. Did you ever catch them before? Without finding fault. In other words, not to bring up why this might be a problem. I love that. Lord, I need really help in my life. Yeah, okay, let's, we, 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 we can get to that. But I'd like to talk to you about your faults. I'd like to talk to you about your problems first. You know, this morning I was, I was worshiping, I was just basking in that. Because a lot of times what happens when you start to worship, what really begins to happen? The first thing that floods your mind is, oh man, all the things I've done this week to really push God away. Did you experience that? I mean, you don't have to shake your head or dance around or stand up or anything like that. But I'm telling you, if that's what happened to you, that's normal. That is absolutely normal. You say, what? Yeah. Because that's what the presence of God does. That's what is supposed to happen, is that stuff just comes to the surface. I mean, there's so many examples in Scripture, but it talks about when you heat up the, the, the gold or the silver, the dross comes to the top, the impurities And they scrape that off and they keep it boiling. More comes up, scrape it off, boil, 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 burn, burn, melt, melt, comes to the top, scrape it off until you have a pure silver or gold. When We get in the presence of God, that's happening. It heats up our life. And what comes to the surface is my unbelief, is my fear, is my sense of guilt and shame. It's coming to the surface. But see, a lot of times we just say, okay, stop, I don't want any more heat. I'm just i just—I'm—I'm not qualified to get the heat. Hmm? You don't understand what's going on. He wants to do that. He needs to do that. That's all part of the process. If there's any person who is perfectly refined right now, well then teach the rest of us. Because the truth is there's none of us who are. And so when you come into the presence of God, that heat comes up. So without finding fault. Okay, so that's what's going on. He said if you lack wisdom, ask God who gives generously to all without finding fault, and it will be given to you. So there are some qualifications, but notice they're just a the positioning of our heart. It's not really what God is having to do at all because he wants to give, he's a generous giver, he loves us, he sent his son to die on the cross for us. It is a positioning of our mind. It says if you lack something. Here in particular, it talks about lacking wisdom, which of course is incredibly key. He says, but when you ask, and now we're getting to it, you must believe and not doubt, because the one who doubts is like a wave of the sea blown and tossed by the wind. You know, a tumultuous sea is is interesting, because, you know, the lake I go to, the waves, they just come in, and of course, you go to the ocean, you can just see those waves just come in, they're like clockwork, you know? Just come rolling in and rolling in. It can be so peaceful. a tumultuous sea when the wind is coming and you got waves all going in different directions and wham 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 that's what that's what our life is like it's there's another word for it. it's chaos isn't it there's no direction there's no and he says look that's what doubt introduces to your life is a little bit of chaos so that when you go to pray it affects how you pray you know and, 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 and I like what, what James is doing here. He's just cutting right to it. He says, look, if you're going to pray, pray with confidence. Pray with a, an understanding that God wants you to be asking him. Pray with a, a, uh, a kind of conviction that, that this is exactly what needs to happen for those who, are, those who are blood-bought in Jesus. So that person, he goes on to say, in kind of a negative part of the scripture but he says that that person should should not expect to receive anything from the Lord I mean he just cuts right to it he says look if you got some doubt you can have a mustard seed of faith but a mustard seed of doubt pfft, wipe that out or cause a kind of chaos have got to get rid of that stuff so you see what I'm trying to do this morning is to really focus on God is not going to change God loves you, he's for you, he wants to bless you. True and will always be true, okay? And if we're not experiencing that blessing, then there's some repositioning that we need to do, and it often comes down to the fact that we're struggling with a double-mindedness. Because such a person is double-minded and unstable in all they do. Mm. Very, very true. When we struggle with doubt, it affects every area of our life. Makes us unstable. So let's break this down and what I wanna give you today. Doubt is anchored in fear, okay? Doubt is anchored in fear. See, rarely do we just say, "Ah, oh, I doubt it. I mean, we, we do about certain things, whether our team is gonna win or not, right? But what we're talking about here is the kind of doubt that reacts to God and opens the, the kind of door and, and you know, obviously the very powerful reality of us being spiritual beings and living in so much of our lives in the unseen. That takes an incredible amount of faith. But it can be very simple if you look at a child. And when they say, yes, Jesus loves me, this I know, and to just see how they walk and how they live, and there's just this understanding about God that's just unhindered by anything, and it's so beautiful. No one has told them about science. No one has tried to imp- pollute their mind with evolution. They, they've never been, they've been, never been introduced to the philosophers. They've never had to been, you know, taken down the road of, of certain kinds of thinking. And so doubt, anchored in fear. We fear about our future. We fear and we, can't just, we just can't let it go. We see the circumstances, and they seem more real than what is possible with God. And that's kind of what goes on. is we say, those things happening in my life are more real than the living God, and that needs to change. That has to change. To be a spiritual person, we have to learn to live in the spirit realm And we have to open our spiritual eyes to be able to see the potential. Now, that's not as hard as it may seem. Because a lot of times, God has already done things. And in time, you've been walking with God, even a short period of time, you already have a listing of things that God has done. Amen? Amen. Things that God has done. So, in other words, if you've got an invisible man who's walked through the sand in front of you, you're going to see his footsteps. And you can look down at those footsteps and say, whoa, somebody's been here. Where is he? I don't see a person on the. It would be kind of stupid to say, "Well, then he doesn't exist." Has to exist. What did he do? He left from left some footprints. He left evidence, and it's exactly what Jesus has done. He's he's left evidence of his presence in our life. That's good, isn't it? He's left evidence of goodness, of mercy in our life. Bottom line is we've got to spend more time thinking and remembering those things. Now, is this just my own idea? Am I just sharing something with you? Oh, you're just, you know, pastor guy trying to make us feel good today. No, no, no. This is what God did on a regular basis with his people. As he was teaching them to be obedient, following, you know, children, he told them, write down what I've done. Celebrate what I've done. Remind yourselves and one another of the goodness of God. The children, generation after generation after generation, were told about how God you know, spread the Red Sea in front of them so that they would always remember the goodness of God, so they would remember the impossibilities. They would remember. For us, of course, we have all that, and that's wonderful, but we have Jesus who encapsulates, who encompasses, who brings it all together. He did wonderful things. We let him, we, we, we let our heart out to him. We open our spiritual eyes to be able to see and let that fear begin to melt. Jesus indicated that something very special could happen in our lives on a regular basis. If we could get, just get past doubt. He was astounded. When I read through the Gospels, you, you see Jesus, you know, there, very rarely is he just kind of shocked. I mean, you know what I mean? When you read through the Gospels, I mean, I look for a jovial Jesus. I don't see him. I mean, you know what I'm saying? I mean, I don't see a guy saying, hey, how you doing, man? Bing. I mean, you know, poking Peter in his stomach. Oh, <laughs> I got gotcha. you. I mean, I don't see that. I mean, I see people trying to write, write you know, books and talk about him that way. I just, I just don't see it in the gospel. I mean, it's fun to do it. But what I see more is, is more of that man of who is, he's somber. He's full with mission. Every day is just heavy with the reality of the kingdom. And every day he gets closer to the cross. You know what I mean? It's a little heavy. So we sing the song, A Man of Sorrows. So I'm not opposed to thinking of a Jesus who was full of joy, and I'm sure there were many, many times he did that, but it was the disciples didn't make it a point to really capture all that. So my point is this that there was one point. What I saw, Jesus kind of be emotional. It was either anger, you remember the anger in the temple, but one of the things I catch very often, he was shocked by the unbelief of the people who were around him. That caught him. And those were the kind of responses that were, I mean, we should take note of, is that Jesus would go like, man, you have little faith. What's wrong with you? I mean, I just fed 5,000 people with a, a few fish and on a piece of bread, you saw the guy with a shrivelled up little arm in front of all of you. I, I took it on the Sabbath, and it grew in front of everyone, and the guy went crazy and jumped up and down. And he's over there scratching his head going, "What else do you need?" And so it, it's interesting. So I, I mean, there's, there's lots of, you know of thought here, but what, what, what I'm really after here, is that Jesus was surprised by that. And he's just saying, look, you got to get past these doubts, because if you do, then it's going to unlock a tremendous amount of supernatural involvement in your life. And he meant supernatural living to be like breathing in and out. I believe that with all my heart. I see it in Scripture. I know it's true. It's what I pursue, it's what, you know, I teach my kids to live in a reality of the kingdom that is even more real than what you see. Look, if there's a fantasy land, it's the one you live in day in and day out. That's the fantasy. The reality is the things that we don't have, we can't see with our physical eyes, but Jesus told us, be assured, they're there. There are demons, there are angels, there is an enemy, and you are dug in, looking at what you could have but not sure how to get there, not sure how to get there. Jesus, again, seemed to be astounded at man's unbelief, especially in the light of what they saw quite regularly in his ministry, miracles of all kinds. See, doubt rarely remains static. And what I mean by that is that we often look to other solutions. We don't just stay in this place of doubt. I mean, we're people that need to survive. And so we take matters into our own hands, and we start doing those things which are counterfeit, the things that we do in our own strength. When God is saying, look, I want to help you. I've I've broken the curse of the law, all right? The idemic curse passed down from Adam and Eve. It's been broken. And he says, look, there is something more that you can have if you will but live there. And we're not necessarily returning to to eden but in a kind of way we are we've been let back in and in that place is being able to walk with god in the cool of the day and being able to have the provision of god on a regular basis so what i mean by doubt remaining stay again it doesn't remain static it's going to affect our life so don't think that having a little bit of doubt is you know a harmless thing it absolutely is not it's like a poison it's like a virus it spreads to every spiritual cell in us it affects our s- thinking it will affect now let me okay so that's just figurative language i mean let's get right, right, i mean it's going to affect your marriage it's going to affect how you deal with your money it's going to affect that how you look at your soul how how you, you deal with your relationships doubt begins to spread and work its way to affect everything what are some mountains that we have in our life what are some of those mountains that we might be going after. I mean, some practical down-to-earth things. Maybe a diagnosis of cancer. You know, when we hear cancer, you know, we get a, a catch in our breath. Or other life-threatening diseases, neurological diseases, like Lou Gehrig's disease, and others that just cause us to shudder. Those are mountains. They can't be outside the mountain. See, Jesus used that example because he thought, I know if I get specific, you're going to do an end around on me. You're going to find something more. Matter of fact, you might even be saying here today, well, a mountain. I mean, is it like Nepal mountains or is it like, you know, like over there at that mountain around us? I mean, no, no, no. He's talking the biggest thing you can think of, the largest mountain, the most threatening thing think of cancer you think of those kinds of things how about a debilitating injury something that that takes away your mobility your speech deforms us in some way a financial crisis or financial debt that brings misery these are mountains these are things that come into our life that we just can't ignore we open the door and it's there A life-controlling sin like alcoholism or drug abuse, prescription or illegal drugs, pornography, anger or bitterness towards someone that you might even see often on a regular basis that just, it's a mountain. You can't get that person out of your mind. Fear that paralyzes us from being free to live these are mountains. These are mountains. And these are the kind of things that Jesus said, look, and and, and you know what's amazing to me is that we read those words and we think they're poetic. We think they're nice. But then you go to the world and the world just says, no, I think, you know, God wants us to live with those things or he really didn't intend that. Mm -mm. Mm -mm. If these are mountains, then Jesus intended us to focus on those things. I'm not trying to to be a snake oil salesman here, okay? I'm not trying to say that there is any magical formula. All I'm saying here today is that, folks, we need to move forward. And if you have mountains in your life, you can't stay where you are. You've got to move forward. The mountain can't be removed staying where you are. You can't get to a higher ground and just stay where you are. And what I'm suggesting is You've got to deal with that doubt first. Okay? You've got to deal with that. You've got to remove it. And I shared with you uh, some practical ways. But hopeless, uh, finally, the, you know, other another mountain, the final mountain here of many. Maybe you're hopeless concerning the future. You can't see a way forward or a solution to your specific problem. That's a mountain, isn't it? When you think of your future and you just... When you wake up in the morning, you're not waking up as the song suggested. You're know, waking up with Jesus on your mind. You wake up with, man, what am I gonna do? What am I gonna do with this situation? So we can deal, doubt, a major blow. Here's some other things. To, you know, When I talked about reading your, your Bible daily, I'm, what I mean here, I wanna go a little deeper with that, is, is really focus on Scripture, on the truths that speak about faith about what god has promised so we don't know what to cash in on because we're not really aware of the promises and and of course we started with this verse and i think it's a very wonderful verse there in luke but what i think we need to do is expand on that we need to expand on it even more we need to get very specific the lord's prayer is awesome and what i'm what i'm talking about is taking and, and praying the word so you sit down with the bible and you read it, but interact with that, with the truth. Interact with it. You find a verse that speaks to your mountain. I mean, it's right there. If Jesus said, I mean, you read a scripture and it says that Jesus came and healed a physical malady, then you need to stop right there if you've got one. And really just say, you know what? Lord, I'm I'm believing you for a miracle. This is my mountain. See, I'm not sure that bypassing mountains really does the kind of spiritual growth that we're really looking for and jumping ahead of myself here just for a second you know abraham was taken outside and god said look up at all the stars of the heaven and he said see all those he said i'm going to make your offspring like that he's 90 some odd years old he's telling him he's going to have a baby with his wife who's 90 some years old talk about an impossibility right and he said, i'm gonna and, and not only is he saying he's going to have a baby but he is going to have a heritage that is going to encompass. The, and he says, if, and I love the language. He said, if the sands of the seashore, or the sands of the earth, could, could the grains or the, you know, each grain could be counted, if it could be counted, that's your offspring. Whoa. Big. So you can imagine Abraham out there just going, and I don't even have a son. Okay, God. Do you feel like that when you read those verses in the Bible, those promises? I do sometimes. I look at those and say, surely you're speaking to someone else, because that's exactly what Abraham said. Um, God, can I remind you, I'm Abraham, A-B-R, right? (laughs) Maybe you're thinking of Ibiram or something, I don't know, anyway. And we do that sometimes, you think, well, maybe that verse is just not for me, see, now there's so many other things here, so many other things, but I, I know that we can come in on the backside, well, maybe that's God's not, God's, not God's will for my life. Well that Abraham died not seeing those nations, but it didn't change the truth of what was spoken about him. We've, he watched it from heaven because right now you are all part you were all a grain of sand that belonged to Abraham. you're the ones that God was talking about. And so there are times, so what I'm trying to say is, look, we, we, we've got to have one gear, okay? We can't worry about what the outcome is going to be. We've got one gear. We've got to look at those promises, claim them as our own, and look, the last thing on our mouth needs to be that very prayer as we take our last breath. Can I share a, a quick story with you? Bill May, who's preached here at the age of, what was he, Andrew, 46? 46 years old, he died by cancer, just just a few months ago. A very dear friend of mine. I counseled him as a young man as he first gave his life to Christ. Long hair, pot smoking dude. Came in, led him to Christ, went to Bible college, led a church for many years. It's quite a wonderful story. But he got cancer. And the oncologist walked in and he spoke, whispered into his wife's ear and said, look, I'll be surprised if he lasts the morning. Just want to let you know that. She let us all know, look, we think Bill's going to die in the next few hours. So the doctor walks in and he says, Bill, Bill's all ashen gray. And the doctor starts walking out and it's amazing. And he says, Bill calls him back and he says, Doctor, don't be surprised if I'm still here tomorrow, baby. He says, God's going to shock you yet. And I think about that and I think, that's it. Bill didn't get what he was <laughs> expecting, but he certainly got what he was hoping for. And that is an eternity, right? So but I, my point is, he had one gear. He had one gear. God can do anything for me. And he was still waiting for it, still hoping for it. Still at what? Expecting it. Now, there are many who are laying, and we've got people in this church right now who've prayed those prayers, expected those kind of things, and they were healed of cancer. And we're putting together their testimonies. You're going to hear, you're, you're going to hear their word in their own words very soon. They, they did the same thing. God just said, you're right. It's not time for you to go yet. And I'm glad that Lee Harrell is still here. As, as a rascally of a dude as he is. <laughs> he's a kingdom man. Love his faith. I tell you what, you want to get, you want to get stirred up. Hang around with Lee. I mean, that guy's got an indomitable spirit. I love it. Comes from reading the word. Comes from understanding what God said. And it's mine. It's yours. Pray the word of God. It increases your faith when you do that. When you take the word of God and you mix it with faith, you're watering that seed. In some ways, what you're doing is you're taking that mustard seed and you're placing it in your own heart. And you're letting it do what the word of God will do. That's all we have. I mean, literally, you don't have to go any through spiritual gyrations. I'm not going to give you, uh, a, you know, a set of David Schmaltz beads. I'm not going to tell you to run around the building seven times. I'm not going to tell you to go to Israel and spend a month there. I'm not going to tell you to do any of that to unlock some kind of a magical formula. Now, God might, but I'm not going to. And I'm not sure God would do that either. But what? I am telling you, and I think God, Jesus was telling us, is just believe, don't doubt, trust me. Pray it, believe it. And sometimes, you know, the way I pray, and sometimes I feel a little guilty about that kind of prayer, but then at the same time, it, 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 it reinforces my confidence. And I may have even prayed that way for you or even some of our folks to pray for you, It's just come, Lord, I ask you to heal them, in Jesus' name, amen. Well, aren't you gonna pray some more, and beg, and grovel, and you know, come up with some magical formula, aren't you gonna do something? No, because you know what? This is what he said, and I believe it, amen. Lord, heal them, in Jesus' name. I see it in, the, in, the, in, the, in, the, in my eye, and I'm asking you to do it right now, amen. Now go and believe. So, I mean, I don't think Jesus did any of that either. I think they came up and he said, Be healed. Be healed. Be well. What do you got? You can't move? Be healed. How could he do that? Because there was no doubt. Sometimes these long, drawn out, spiritual, highfalutin prayers are all they are is really just begging. When really we should be doing more believing. You see? My pastor used to say that most prayer is just whining. It's so true, isn't it? I mean, let it sink in. Instead of asking and believing. See, God wants us to ask. Didn't he tell us to do that? Ask. Ask of me. I love it. And, he, and, and you know, Those simple verses that says, you have not because you ask not. So let that sink in this week. Now let me finish with my story. There they are. Grant is overlooking with his staff around. He's got that big old stogie in his mouth, chewing on it like a madman kind of a rumpled, not a, not a really impressive-looking general. But he's looking down over his men and his troops, and they're all lined up, and they're prepared, and they move forward into their position. But all of a sudden, the sun breaks out of the clouds, and it sweeps up this, this long slope that moved up to Missionary Ridge, and it started to just go across the battlefield. And there were these young boys out there with their guns, and they were looking in these holes in the ground that they just had dug, and they looked at those heights, And for the first time in months, they thought, I can take that. You know what? I don't want to spend another minute. They interviewed some of the guys, and they said that. I don't want to spend another moment in this hole. I'd rather die trying to take that hill than to stay where I am. And so one group of guys convinced one another, hey, man, you want to do this? Let's do this tired of being here i'm tired of dealing with these problems i'm tired of 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 living with this this crud in my life do you want let's go get up there so one squad of guys got up and just started running and grant's looking up there you know he's just going in and going wait what what you know you can imagine he was using some expletives what's going on and he looked at one of his guys and he said if this fails somebody who, who ordered this charge because what happens, one squad got moving and then another squad got moving and they're like, hey, look at the, guy, look at the boys from uh, Massachusetts. Look what they're doing. And then another group got up and another group got up. The next thing, the whole daggone force is moving up the hill. Nobody, nobody commanded it. Nobody ordered the charge. All the officers are kind of scratching their head, going, oh, hey, what? One of, the, one of the famous generals, Sheridan, riding on a horse, He was just a little itty-bitty guy, so he spent all his time on the horse, which makes sense. And he says, and somebody said, what are they doing? Tell them to come back. He said, I would sooner tell water to stop than to tell these boys not to do what they're doing. And so they rush that hill. The opposing army's sitting at the top. Their confidence begins to melt like water because they're going, um, wait a minute. They're not supposed to be doing this. And they came, and they kept on coming. Their guns were not positioned correctly. Nobody thought about aiming the cannon down the hill. They never thought they would even try it. And so before you know it, their positions are overtaken. They're driven a mile or two off of that mountain, and thus began a major defeat, opening up the south to what famously was that march to Atlanta and to the sea and the end. All came down to a few men who just said, "You know what? I'm tired of living in the hole." And you know what? A lot of times that's what it just comes down to. and that's my point here today, is that sometimes it takes just a little bit of courage to say, "I believe. I believe what Jesus said is true, and I'm going to get past my doubt. Because see, a lot of times Christians are dug into holes and, and we try to convince one another, yeah, you're supposed to like it in there. What? Yeah. God wants us to live down in the hole, but what about up there? What about in the higher ground? What, I mean, there's some people up there. Yeah, but not you. Mm-mm. Courage. Prayer. Faith in God. So let's stand up this morning. Let's ask our God to help us. You know, the disciples, I mean, just being real, because they started to get it. And they looked at Jesus and they said, Lord, please help our unbelief. Isn't that interesting? They had finally gotten to that point where they, saw, they knew they had seen such wonderful things, but they said, we're still struggling. Help our underbelief. Can you get rid of that? And he said, guys, I can't do that part for you. But sometimes, desperation. You know, I'm sure those guys, as they were running up the hill, were still thinking, this was not a good idea. And sometimes it does, but I think that doubt can be overwhelmed in a second in our heart. It can be overwhelmed by faith. It can be pushed out of our lives. We'll just trust our God. So let's do that together. Here in a few moments, I'm going to release us to our tables for our Blitz weekend. George was talking to us this morning about our small groups and ways that we can grow in our faith and connect and keep our hearts and minds connected on the word. We're going to do that here in just a moment. But let's bow our heads and close our eyes to finish. Lord, we just come. And we ask you today, Lord, would you be the divine surgeon and remove that unbelief from our lives? Lord, that we would spend more time in your word, God, developing a faith that just squeezes all doubt out. When, when we hear a negative thing, when we hear our, a, a fear that wafts through the senses of our mind, that we would just say, no, 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 no. That's that's not of God. I don't want that. We'll not dwell upon that. No. God has promised me that He's going to bless me, and that's what I expect. Lord, open those doors to let you in. Holy Spirit, would you come and fill us with with fresh faith? Let there be a renewal that begins today. That's the word you spoke to me earlier. Lord, just a a renewal of faith to believe you, God, for the big things, the biggest things, To, to bring our mountains regularly before you. And then listen, listen, moving forward. God, may we capture the heights in these days. May we do the impossible. May we live, Lord, the dreams and the visions that you've given us. We thank you today, Lord, that you're here. And that, God, you're going to restore us. You're going to put us on the pathway, God, to an ever-changing, life-changing, life-fulfilling, dream-experiencing faith. And we thank you for that today.